Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't you love his name tonight? Don't you love his name? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Thank you, Jesus. Monday night crowd. This is the revival crowd. This is the hungry for God crowd. Praise the Lord. All the carnal people is not here tonight. Praise God. Just the spiritual. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for you being here. We understand others have obligations, work schedules, and all kinds of things going on. But thank you for making the sacrifice to be in the house of God and to pursue the Lord with us. Praise the Lord. We are in need of revival. America's in need of revival. Praise God. You read through the, through the Old Testament and there's things happening through the dynasties of China and, and things happening across the seas in North America with Native Americans and there's all kind of things going on in the world at the same time. That's First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther is being written. But all of the historical books of the Old Testament are focusing on one people, on one land, on one central location. Not because the other people's souls were not significant, but God's focal point is how He will manifest Himself to the world through His people. That means that there may be things going on in the White House tonight. There may be votes in the Supreme Court. There may be decisions in Congress. But God's eye is upon His church. Hallelujah. Book of Acts chapter 2021 is being written not in D.C., but is being written right here in Galena, Kansas. Amen. It's what God's doing through His people that is manifesting His name. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. If you love the Lord, say amen. Praise God. We could have just kept on singing that. Amen. Pastor said, Brother Sean, Pastor Sean used to travel with him when he used to travel some uh, when they were out in Kentucky, I guess, and what a blessing. Hallelujah. I thought, man, they don't even need me up there. They've already got the, the singing. They've already got the exhortation. Y'all have already got a good move of the Spirit. But I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore he is able. Somebody shout, he is able. He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. One preacher said he doesn't just save to the uttermost, he saves to the guttermost. How many thankful he reached way down for you when he picked you up? Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is able to save not just easy cases, but any case. He's able to save from the uttermost. When they came out of Egypt, amen, there might have been servants that were serving hors d'oeuvres in Pharaoh's court wearing the finest of robes, walking out of Egypt right next to somebody that had been in the clay pits with stripes on their back from the taskmaster. But it took the same Passover blood to provide the miracle for the slave in the palace as much as a slave that was down in the clay pits. How many know if you were saved in church, raised in church, your whole life in church, your Papaw's Papaw was a Pentecostal preacher. It took the same blood to get you into the kingdom as it takes the drug rehab, as it takes somebody out of prison, as it takes somebody coming from any background. He saves to the uttermost, and that was me. Amen? One more verse out of Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible saith, Thus saith the Lord, As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion, 
two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of bed and in Damascus in a couch. The prophet Amos is one of my favorite prophets and he gives us this prophetic picture. A hireling, somebody who's just paid to watch somebody else's sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. He's just uh, there for an hourly wage. But a good shepherd. How many know Jesus is our good shepherd? Amen. I know you already got, got worshipped up. Praise the Lord. You've just spent yourself emotionally in the presence of God. Tune into what God's saying right here. How many know Jesus is a good shepherd? Amen. He's not a hireling. He cares for his sheep. And it says a good shepherd, amen, he doesn't see a lion coming and say, well, if he eats one or two of them, maybe he'll get full and he'll leave the rest of the flock alone. No, the Bible says that if he sees hanging out the mouth of the lion, two legs, the shepherd's going to go after it and say, I'll still save that one. If all he sees hanging out of the mouth of the lion is the piece of an ear, the good shepherd says, if all I get out of the mouth of that line, I'm still going to reach down and say, I don't understand why Pentecostal preachers scream so loud. Because we're not talking to people that are just sitting in this room. We're reaching way down in the esophagus of the, of the belly of a lion who's trying to devour somebody. Way past your ear canal, down in your spirit, we're saying, there's a rescuer. His name is Jesus. He's reaching all the way down into dark places. He didn't give up on you. Hallelujah. He's not turned his back on you. But he saves to the uttermost and reaches all the way down. Hallelujah. Lord, let your arm reach down tonight and rescue by your mighty hand. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. God's people said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We have, uh, and as, as humans, we love the story of, of amazing survival. Against all odds, when somebody is able to overcome. In 2003, if you remember, there was a, a hiker out in Utah hiking by himself by the name of Aaron Ralston. Amen. While he was out there hiking, a boulder fell on his arm. And after five days of hollering and screaming and nobody coming to his rescue, he took out his multi-tool and severed his own arm from where it was broken, cinched it up with whatever he had like a tourniquet, and crawled out of that desert to safety, amen, and was able to write the book and score the film that after five days with a boulder on his broken arm, he cut it off himself and he got out. <laughs> Man, there's something exciting about that. There's something that just uh, swells up inside of you and says, man, against all odds, even when it's hurting, even when all of, all of hell is screaming, you're not going to make it through this, there's still something in the spirit that God has put inside of man that says, amen, if he can make it out of that, I might be able to make it out of what I'm going through. Several years ago, I remember I was going to the airport as it came up on the television screen that those, those 33 Chilean miners trapped 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth that had been down there for 69 days in darkness, all of a sudden begin to finally, they had contracted and, uh, and engineered a way for them to be rescued. 
Man, if you've seen the movie, it is, it will, it'll put a lump in your throat, a tear in your eye. One by one, they start coming out. Oakley did the greatest uh, advertisement they could have ever done and said, we're going to give every one of those miners a free pair of Oakleys. How many know they got more out of it than just giving what they gave away? Because they had been in the dark so long, they knew the light that would come to their eyes would damage them if they didn't have some protection. And one by one, 69 days, 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth and if you were like I was on the edge of your seat watching there's a crowd around the TVs in the airport are they going to make it the next one may you're holding your breath yourself watching (gasps) it comes up amen reunited with with family with children oh man there's something about it when people survive against all odds we got some survivors in this room tonight I said we got some survivors in this room tonight Man, if you survived 2020, you ought to be thankful to God that you are an overcomer. Hey, man, if you survived the last year, and I'm not just talking because you got COVID and you better get put on a respirator and you had to get some oxygen for a while and even if you were hospital. No, 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 no. I'm talking about all the negativity. We had more than a pandemic. Hey, man, we had a social crisis with, 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 with police brutality and, and racism rise up. We had a political crisis. Come on. Hey, Amen. The economy's going crazy. Amen. People that can't get along for the weekend usually have to just spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday together. Now they're spending months together locked in their house. Come on. You still have your sanity after being locked up with your wife and children, your husband and children. Amen. You are a survivor. He said, I feel like one of those Chilean miners. Twelve months later, I finally can come out for some air and go back to Walmart. Oh, hallelujah. Finally get to come back to church. Hey man, the enemy wants to make you feel like, oh, you're just, uh, you're, you're, you're just living a regular old life. Let me tell you, friend, we're not living in Mayberry anymore. Andy Griffith is not sheriff of this town or this county. Come on, you are living in the last days. The spirit of the Antichrist is swelling. The agenda of the enemy is on the rise. Amen. But you're still here with your right mind. Hallelujah. You're still here with your marriage intact. You're still here with your children in the house of God. You're still here in a Pentecostal church where people are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. He saves to the uttermost. He does the impossible. Oh, somebody give God praise that you survived. You survived. You survived. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Ty Tribbett has a song that says, The devil thought he had me, thought that my life was over, thought by now I'd give up. He thought I had no hope. Amen. But when God turned it around, he said, Then, amen, if he only knew what I was going to be after the storm, he would have never bothered me. The victory you're going to walk in as days go forward to the coming of the Lord ought to make the the enemy sorrowful that he ever interrupted your life. We ought to have such a revival. I don't want to just tickle your ears tonight. Hear my heart. This church ought to make up its mind. I already know the DNA of this house is for a move of God. But you ought to even be more fanatical, more more setting your face as flint that we are going to have the kind of revival that is revenge against what the enemy tried to do to shut down the church. Hallelujah to God. That woman with the unjust judge said, avenge me of mine adversary. Amen. Vengeance is mine, saith 
God. There's COVID casualties of people that haven't come back yet. Amen. They're still going to the rodeo. They're still going to the carnival. They're still going to the ball games. They're still going to everywhere else. But they've not come back here. Oh, God, give us ten times as many souls as the devil took. Give us a revival that is a revenge of what the enemy tried to do to take us out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read somewhere years ago that when a disaster takes place where there are so many casualties, that when first responders show up, they assess the situation quickly. And so that someone is not checked twice and they're not using their personnel uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way in which they... They've already checked somebody and then somebody else doesn't know they've been checked and so they come and so they're not overlapping. They, they will put a, a tag. Now maybe they don't do this anymore but I read at some time in history that they would put a tag on their ankle and uh, a, a green tag said, you know, maybe this person was, was hurt but they're, and even if they're laying down, maybe they're just resting. They're, they're going to be all right. You don't have to check them again. We already checked them. There's no broken bones. There's no concussions. Everything looks okay. Just pass them on by. Find somebody else that needs help. And then there might be somebody, they put a yellow tag on their foot right around their ankle, and that lets all the other first responders and EMTs know that person, they need help, but they can wait. Don't put them on the first load to the hospital. They can wait till all the real needy people get there first. And then if we have leftover resources, eventually we can take them in and bandage them up. That's a yellow tag. But if somebody was in a dire strait, they, are, they can be rescued, but only if they get needed supplies right now, they would put a red tag on their, on their ankle, and that said they, they need to be on the first load. Rush them right into triage, rush them right into an emergency room, open them up, and they can be saved if they're focused on right now. But there was one more color tag. I heard about this tag that was black. And they might put it on somebody that they checked who was still had a pulse. But they were so far gone, they knew that if they all focused on that one individual, it would be a wasted supply of medicine and medical personnel. And so eventually, that person might, might just have the smallest possibility of being saved. But in the meantime, all the other red tags would, would not make it. So somebody quickly assessing would put a black tag on their ankle and say, they're just not worth it. It would cost too much. It would take too much. We don't have enough help. We don't have enough resources. Pass this one by. They're not going to make it. Maybe they were dead. Maybe they were almost dead. But they put that black tag and said, go help somebody else. But I read about a man, I don't know if it was a storm, an earthquake, a tornado, I don't know if it was a pile up on the side of the road, amen, but I read about a man that when he came to from unconsciousness and pulled the sheet off from over his head, he looked down at his ankle and he had a black tag on his ankle. And when he looked over at the man next to him, and the man next to him had a red tag. So you know what he did? He reached down and switched them. <laughs> you know what he's saying to those first responders? I may be bad off, but I'm still worth saving. <laughs> Amen. It may look like I'm too far gone, but don't give up on me yet. Glory to God. I want to just preach a simple little thought to you on a Monday night. That, there, there, that to 
Tonight is the night to take off the toe tag of the enemy. To take off the assignment of the enemy. Amen. Somebody has received a diagnosis from the enemy. It's a negative diagnosis and you've just received it as a fact, as the final statement. But the Lord is going to come by and wake somebody up and shake somebody up and say, you may already be halfway down the throat. You already may be feeling the stomach acid of that devourer eroding away at your soul. You may say my marriage, my health, my, my calling, my life is too far gone. Oh, but this gospel says he saves to the uttermost. Oh, somebody needs to wiggle an ear out of the mouth of that lion tonight. Somebody needs to kick just two little feet out of the mouth of that lion tonight and say it may be bad, but shepherd, come and pull me out. Hallelujah. I'm still worth saving. Hallelujah. My stepmother had a neck condition for for years that put her in such pain she would just lay in the floor couldn't get up to go to work the bed wasn't wasn't firm enough it would give her a migraine that would go from her head all the way down it was almost paralyzing it would cause her to have nausea it was a horrible condition but you know you can get so used to the conditions around you that you uh you just got to figure out is it am i going to go forward or am i going to just accept this as my constant normal and so I called my dad one day, and you've got to know my dad's sadistic sense of humor. I said, Daddy, how you doing? What's going on? He said, I'm digging a hole in the backyard. I said, what for? He said, for your stepmama. She don't, she don't know if she wants to live or die, so I'm just getting the hole ready. Oh, she's getting up off the floor. I guess I'll put the dirt back in the hole. I think she wants to live another day. Come on in here. Amen. I need somebody to figure out tonight it may be bad, but I'm not ready to die yet. Amen. Go ahead and put the dirt back in the hole, devil. It's not over. We're not having my funeral tonight. Amen. Sometimes we can have your funeral prematurely and you'll be living in the funeral dirge of discouragement. You're still existing, but you've already had the funeral rites. You've already passed the, the last statement of the eulogy. It's over. It's done with. But we serve a God of resurrection. That whenever Everything else looks like it's over. God can still turn it around. In January, I was in Brazil. And uh, I'm going to actually save this for, a look for, for point number two. Point number one tonight, take the toe tag off your condition. Take the toe tag off your condition. I, I remember years ago seeing a, a post on Facebook about my dad's cousin. Now, I grew up, uh, before we moved to Orlando, I was 10 years old when we moved to Orlando. Before that, I grew up an hour and a half west of Orlando in Nobleton, Florida, a town of 283 people. We had a 64-acre farm. Grandma lived on that corner. Great-grandma lived on that corner. And then her kids, uh, my great-uncle my great -uncle and aunt lived down there. My other great-uncle and aunt lived down there. My brother, other great-uncle and great-aunt lived down there. And then my dad's brother lived next to us, and I thought everybody grew up like that. And so I knew a lot of my cousins and my second cousins and my third cousins. But my Aunt Jenny and her, she's my dad's first cousin, uh, her and, and Uncle Jim, they moved up to Cleveland, Tennessee years ago. They were in the ministry. And I remember reading, you know, that she had been in a horrible accident and they needed prayer. And you start seeing those posts over and over until after a while you just keep on passing through. Lord, touch them and you just keep on scrolling because you just get used to seeing them every day, every week, every month for so long. You think, God, is, is this just the, the way it's going to be now? Twelve years later, I see Aunt Jenny at a family reunion. I said, Aunt Jenny, I didn't know you're still alive. 
I ain't seen nothing for a long time. Last thing I saw was a long time ago. You were bedfast. You were, you were down for the count. It was horrible. We didn't know if you was going to make it. What happened? She said, sit down and let me tell you what happened. She said, I had gotten a car accident that was so bad, they didn't even turn on the lights of the ambulance because they thought I was dead in the back. And when I finally got to the hospital, she said, your Uncle Jim went in there and just went to raising a whole kind of uh, fuss over what I was going and said, you try to resuscitate her, you try to revive her. She started talking about 9, 10, 11 surgeries to put her back together. So much medication to keep her calm, a medical uh, induced coma. And then after that, sent her home with all the painkillers. She said, I was bedridden for years. Couldn't get up to play with my grandchildren. Couldn't get up to go to functions. All I could do was maybe get up to, to go to another doctor's visit. And it was years of surgeries and years of medicine. And she said, I thought for sure this is the way I'll exist till the very... She said, I put on so much weight from being sedentary. I was just, I was just bedfast. She said, but then they booked revival at our church in Cleveland. She said, there was a woman evangelist that came. She said, I told Jim I want to go. She said, so they got me in some kind of contraption. I don't know. They put her in there like she's, isn't it amazing people that are real bad off can still go to the doctor, but they can't come to church. Oh, help me, Lord. I done messed up right there. Amen. I just, they, people never feel good on Sunday, but man, when they get that paycheck, they feel good enough to go to Walmart. All right. I'm going to stop meddling now. So, so, so they took her to church and, uh, the, uh, the evangelist gave the altar call, and then Aunt Jenny said, I'm going forward. And so they helped her up. They got ushers all around her, making sure she's so fragile, making sure she doesn't hurt herself. And, and the evangelist, this woman evangelist, is praying, 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 lays hands on Aunt Jenny, goes to the next one. And then she said, the evangelist came back, and she said, oh, God said he's not done with you. Laid hands on her again, and Aunt Jenny hit the floor. And now everybody's worried. She's fragile as can be. And now she fell out. What's going to happen? How are we going to get her up? Did she break anything on the way down? She said, I was out in the spirit for a while. But when I came to, she said, if the Holy Ghost put me down here, the Holy Ghost can pick me up again. She said, for the first time in 12 years, I rolled over and I got myself up off the floor. And from that moment forward, I began to mend. Amen. For somebody that the ambulance didn't even want to turn on lights for to put back together. Amen. Now, 12 years later the power of God was able to put her back together she said and me and Uncle Jim are traveling in ministry again amen we're going to churches and hold revival she said I got a business card right here if you know a preacher wants to hear my testimony 12 years am I the only one that could have a pain in your side for all of about 30 seconds and the devil says that's cancer you're going to die with that you have a headache for an afternoon, you're like, oh, this is bad. You have a headache for two days, the devil says, you'll have a headache that, like that the rest of your life. We learn how to go into our new normal, how to, how to move into that condition and own it and say, I have, a sh I have diabetes issue. I have a heart condition. Amen. We put a possessive language to it and say, this is what I have. Amen. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight that he's come to tell somebody, I didn't call you that. I didn't assign that to you. It may have been the report of the doctor, but it's not the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
I don't know what you think about Brother Joel Osteen, but I'll tell you what about I think about his daddy. His daddy was a man of faith. Pastor John Osteen that built that great church down in Houston, amen, took his wife, sister, sister Dottie to the doctor. And the doctor said, I'm sorry to tell you, John, but she's got stage four cancer. It's bad. She's probably not going to live another six months. And Pastor John Osteen said, Well, doctor, thank you for running your tests and giving us some kind of prognosis. But we believe in miracles. How many know when you tell the doctor you disagree with them, they get real offended because they think they are the final authority on the matter. Thank God for doctors and every medical personnel, but they're not the final authority on the matter. And so when he told the doctor we believe in miracles, the doctor got aggressive and said, Well, you're going to have to have one. And Pastor John said, Well, we're going to get one. Hey, Amen. Sometimes you just got to get back up in the devil face and say if you're going to be that negative with me I'm going to have to have the same aggressive boldness with you my sister wanted to be a cheerleader in school my parents were sanctified and wouldn't let her do that but she hung out with the cheerleaders on the school bus and she learned all the cheers and there's one of them she used to sing when she got home that I think ought to be one of the hymns of the church and it goes like this be aggressive be aggressive b-e-a-g-g-r-e-s-s-i-v-e aggressive be aggressive hear me saint Passive faith will get you nowhere. Maybe one day I'll get the Holy Ghost. No, you won't. Maybe one day I'll get healed. No, you won't. Maybe one day I'll be a man or woman of God. No, you won't. Amen. Aggressive faith says, Lord, I believe right here, right now. Today's my day. Tonight's my night. This is my moment. If we sing there's healing in your name, then I want it now. There's power in your name. I need it now. There's freedom in your name. I claim it now. Hallelujah. Your condition that we move into as a permanent resident, amen, is not where you're called to stay. There may be times in the will of God that you're going to spend the night by the Red Sea and it was God's will that you got there. Bound by mountains on each side, the obstacle of that body of water in front and Pharaoh's army behind. It wasn't their own, it wasn't their own mistake that got them there. It was God's will that put them there. And it may be in the will of God that after your obedience you spend the night in the lion's den. That wasn't Daniel's mistake. That was Daniel's obedience that put him there. It may be the times in your life that you testify, God, you may save us from the flame, you may not, but we will not bow. And it may be the will of God that you go through a fiery furnace. But hear me, friend, there is a real estate agent named Satan that when you go through anything in your life is trying to sell you a permanent address. Mm, I'm just going to slow down here just to talk to you. The enemy will come and say, why don't, you just, why don't you just make this your permanent address? Why don't you tell all your friends and family, send all my Christmas cards here because I'll, I'll probably be in this lion's den forever. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get frustration on your job and after you, after you become a victim and talk about how bad it is in the break room, in the teacher's lounge, after you talk about it with all your co-workers, amen, you just settle into that mode. It's just going to be like this until I, until I retire. You just settle into, well, we've not had any, 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 any nice tones in our marriage. We're just getting by. We're just talking about groceries and bills. We're just talking about what we're going to have for lunch and dinner. It's just the way it's going to be. I just have this pain till I die. It's just the way it is. It may be the will of God for you to go through something. Amen. But whatever you do, do not buy real estate there, friend. We still serve a God that knows how to part Red Seas. We still know a God who knows how to shut the mouth of lions. We still know a God that will show up in the fiery furnace as the fourth man. Hallelujah. It may be something you go through, but don't let it become your permanent condition. 
So when I think about Sarah, that the Lord came to Abraham in the plains of Mamre and told him that you will have a child. And after years of hearing that promise and leaving their home country and her leaving her family too and, and changing her name, you know how, you know how, how it must have hurt every time somebody said, Hi, what's your name? My name is Sarah. <laughs> the mother of many nations. How many kids do you have? None. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. Do you ever, you, you ever notice that self-deprecating humor is the way that we cope with things that we don't know how to change? You can't make jokes about other people and their insecurities, but you can make jokes about yourself and everybody else will laugh. You know, I can't make jokes about uh, another race, but I could make jokes about white people. I can't make jokes about married people, but I could make a joke about being single. But how many know at 37, just because I'm making a joke don't mean I'm laughing on the inside. See, some of y'all willing to chuckle even at that, but how many know it's real? You make jokes about yourself, but on the inside, you're just making the joke to ease the frustration of everybody else because that's the way we cope with things we don't know how to change. By the time God says you are going to have a child, amen, Sarah had done, created this coping mechanism where the pain was so bad, the only way she knew how to get over it was laugh. And God said, why did you laugh, Sarah? And she said, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, no, but you did. There is a laughter of coping because you don't know how to change what you're going through. Amen. But after 90 years old, after childbearing years were passed, God did give her the miracle of a child. And she named that baby Laughter. Mm. Could you see her showing up to the senior citizens ministry? <laughs> Amen. And she got a little crying baby in her arms. And they said, oh, what's his name? <laughs> I call him Isaac. I call him Laughter. Why you call him Laughter? Because y'all used to laugh at me, but look who's laughing now. <laughs> hey, you used to laugh thinking that I would never see the promise come to pass. Oh, you know what kind of revival I want to have tonight? I want to see somebody's prophecy they've been holding on to decades come to pass. I want to see somebody give somebody a breakthrough to when they're done crying in this altar. They get out in the parking lot and they can't stop laughing. Who knew God be this good to me? <laughs> Woo, who knew God would turn it around? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I want an Isaac move of God that said it seemed permanent but God knew how to give a miracle even beyond the possibility of it. Take the toe tag off your condition tonight. Amen. Number two, take the toe tag off of your calling. Take the toe tag off of your calling. Man, there's so much Bible for this. The enemy will come at any point possible to bring guilt and shame and say you can never go back to do what God had his purpose on your life to do. Peter denied Christ while he was on trial. And when Mary Magdalene said, I, I can't go back to my former life. I used to be a harlot when Jesus found me. I can't go back to what I used to be. Peter said, I'm going back to what I used to be. Amen, I'm going fishing. He was so ashamed. He was so demoralized. Not only is my Savior dead, but I denied him. I told him I wouldn't deny him. He prophesied that I'd deny him three times before the rooster crowed, and there I went off and did it. I denied my Savior and my Lord and cursed to prove that I wasn't his follower. But when Jesus rose, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I'm coming to see him. And then he shows up on the shores of Galilee again. 
And when Peter sees him from afar and says, Jesus says, cast your net on the other side, a repeat miracle, a deja vu that took him right back to that original calling. Amen. He said, oh, that's our master. That's our Savior. Jumped in the water and swam to shore. You ever wanted to just get a whooping over with so your siblings didn't have to hear about it? Amen. If I'm going to get in trouble, don't put me in time out, Daddy. Just whip me before Bubba and Sissy gets home. I don't want anybody else to know how bad I messed up. Amen. I wonder if Peter didn't jump in the water and swim to shore because he wanted to get his whipping over with. Amen. I denied him. Now i got to see him face to face. Those other disciples already think that I'm, I'm apostate. I'm backslidden. What's he going to say to me? And Jesus said, come and dine. That's why communion's so wonderful. It's the meal that says, break bread with me. I know you've sinned. Here's my body and blood. Be washed. Come back into relationship. We'll talk about that in a minute. Amen. We'll talk about your, your, your brokenness in a minute. But first, just sit at the table with me. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Better preachers than I could tear that down with a 12-week sermon series. But the last time, lovest thou me, Peter? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Feed my sheep, Peter. Restoration came to Peter. Amen. If a God denier, if a Christ denier, if somebody that was one of the very disciples in the ministry then denied him, but God still restored him and got the privilege of preaching the sermon on Pentecost Sunday. Woo, that's the Super Bowl for evangelists. <laughs> Amen. Let the pastors preach Easter. Get some folks saved. That's wonderful. Oh, but give Pentecost Sunday to the evangelists. Ah, uh, some churches don't even recognize it. Amen. That's when we have permission to go ahead and say, let the fire fall. Peter said, I may not be worth it, but I feel something rising up in me. While y'all are talking in tongues, let me tell these people what are going on. Amen. And God restored him and used him and anointed him till even his shadow, the shadow of a God denier. Oh, hallelujah. The shadow of somebody who didn't deserve it was now anointed. How many know that you could have been anointed in the past, but you think, oh, I can still maybe teach a class a little bit. I could still maybe do something to serve, rock a baby in the nursery, but I'll never have that anointing that I thought I was supposed to have when I first got saved. I'll never have the dream of that ministry that I thought God put his hand on my life for. But what if God came to you and said, not only can you have it, you can have greater. Amen. You can have the kind of ministry where your shadow has an anointing to heal people. My cousin, when she was, uh, she was just a teenager, she was, she was one of the most beautiful people I knew. She got, she got Miss Webster. That's a little town she lived in. She rode in the parade. She was Miss Webster. And she was dating the pastor's son, several years older than her. And uh, I was too young to understand, but they got married in a hurry, and nine months later there was a baby in the home. I was just, I was just so young, but I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 11. And how many know the Holy Ghost knows things that your mind doesn't even comprehend? And any time my cousin was in the altar, I felt led to go pray with her. And man, I would just weep. I would just have this, this spiritual sympathy where I, I hurt for her. And I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. God, I don't know what's going on with my cousin. But Lord, I, I just pray you'd touch her and you'd lift her up. She was living a hard life. Not because she got married and not because she had a child uh, almost out of wedlock. Not because of that, but because the man that she married, he was just mean. He went into law enforcement. And, and you know when you're picking up broken bodies off the side of the road and you're putting away drug dealers and you're 
and you're seeing all the carnage and the worst parts of life, it's hard to come home and be a comedian. That's not an excuse, but he, he brought that toxic stuff home with him. I asked her years later, I said, how come y'all only had one, one child? And she said, the first one went through so much pain living in our home, we never wanted to bring another one into that. I said, oh, mercy. I remember she used to sing in church a lot when I was little. And then even through the troubled marriage, she still went on to minister in song until she became the worship leader in that church. He worked in the sound booth, and I thank God for anybody called to a media ministry. But friend, don't stay in that sound booth so long that you don't come to the altar. Don't ever let it be an excuse. Don't let the nursery, don't let ushering, don't let greeting, don't let anything be an excuse not for you to lift hands and worship and get in the presence of God. I love every ministry in this church, but friend, we don't need lights as much as we need you to pray through. We don't need microphones as much as we need you to pray through. If you need something from God, shut it all down and come to the altar. He stayed in the back critical of how things sounded he stayed in the back and he constantly was in control he was in church but he wasn't right with God and for years she led worship and he was he was he was just a, a dark shadow over that home their son grew up got married and moved out and my cousin is still very young even though they have a child old enough to be gone and married and they were on vacation on a motorcycle riding through some back back roads of Georgia as they came around to turn, there was too much sand in the, in, in, in the road. And, and all of a sudden, that street bike that didn't have the grip for that kind of dirt slid out from underneath them. And they were going so fast, their bodies were flung in two different directions. And as they toppled and turned across the asphalt, when my cousin's husband finally landed, the first thing he could think was, oh God, what did I do to my wife? He looked up and over and she was face down in the dirt. His, 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 his ribs had, had punctured his lungs and his spleen and he had broken bones and all kinds of things were messed up in his body. When the ambulance got there, they, they got to my cousin and, and they put her in the back and, and, and they told her later when she came to in the hospital that the only thing wrong with her was a gro broken collarbone and that she had been knocked unconscious. But they said, ma'am, we don't know what language you were speaking, but from the time we picked you up to the time we got you in that hospital bed, there was a language rolling out of you. Hallelujah. Hear me, friend. You can lose your mind and not lose the Holy Ghost. You can have amnesia. You can have Alzheimer's until you don't know your spouse, your children, or your own name. But let somebody go to sing an amazing grace and that Holy Ghost will bubble up again. Oh, when she was out of control, the Holy Ghost was still in control, witnessing through her, praying through her. Oh, but her husband was so mangled. They air-flighted him from Georgia clear up to Chattanooga. All these surgeries. They finally brought him back home, put him in a recliner and said, you've got to be on rest for the next several months. And so for month after month, he, I, I, I'm speaking nothing well or bad of this ministry, I'm just telling you. For six months, he sat in that living room and watched one television channel, Sun Life TV with Jimmy Swagger, and cried every day. He finally was getting some mobility back, but he'd just sit there and watch and cry. She's waiting on him hand and foot, and he's sitting there crying. After six months, he couldn't take it no more.
My cousin's husband stood up in the middle of that living room and he said, fine, God, I've been running for too long. Here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. See, my cousin's husband, he was raised in a pastor's home. And he said, God called me when I was 16 year old listening to Jimmy Swagger. But he said, I never wanted to go through what I see my dad go through as a pastor. How many know being a pastor is not like being a plumber? It's not like being an electrician. Hey, man, you will go through some dark seasons when you're trying to pastor people's soul. He said, I said, no, God, I will not do that. He said, you thought I've been bitter and mean and toxic. He said, I'm not an angry person. I've just been running from the call and disobedient for all these years. I can tell you that man's different now. He responded to the call, went through the program in their church, now is credentialed with their denomination. I preach revival there. He's not in the sound booth no more. He's on the front row, giving out messages in tongues, interpretation. I thought they don't even need me to preach. He's a living witness of revival that can come to a life. That's changed my opinion about mean people. I just want to walk up to cantankerous people, you know, some no customer service kind of cashier people, you know, people just sour. I just want to walk up to him and say, are you mad or are you just running from the call of God? Do you mean somebody run over your cat this morning? Are you discouraged? Are you just disobeying God? You can live in a condition so long that you think this is just who I am. Oh, listen to me, baby. Until you answer the call of God, you don't even know who you are. Until you say yes and step into the anointing, you don't know who you are. But in order to step into that place of obedience, you got to reach down tonight, rip off that toe tag that the devil says you'll never know the anointing. You'll never touch another soul. You just put the money in the offering and let another missionary do the work. You let, let pastor hire somebody else to work with the kids and, and feed the homeless and minister to all the ministries. Oh no friend, there's a call on your life. I don't know how long that mantle laid at the feet of Elisha after it fell from that chariot from Elijah. Amen. But it laid there until Elisha picked it up. And I hear the Lord say to somebody in this room right now and maybe watching by live stream, the mantle is yet at your feet. Y'all ain't got to shout because I just feel strong enough. But even if nobody said amen, I know it to be true. There's people under the sound of my voice. The mantle is yet at your feet. And all the years that you've run and all the excuses you've made and how you've lived over and over and said that was just a youth camp emotion that made me feel that. That was just way back there that I thought that might happen one day. But the Lord's come knocking again tonight and said, I I never told you. I never told you I couldn't use you. I never told you I was done with you. I know you got into a career and you bought a house and a bass boat. Amen. You got into every other hobby. You got married and a bunch of kids. You're focused on your lawn. Amen. You're focused on everything else. But I still have a mantle at your feet. Why don't you rip off the toe tag of the devil? Pick up the will of God. Put it on and walk in your anointing. Oh, take the toe tag off your calling. Hallelujah. I wish somebody right now physically would reach down at your ankle and rip it off. Rip off the lie of the enemy. Amen. God came to Adam and Adam said, I was afraid because I heard your voice in the garden and I was naked and I hid myself. Amen. And I can hear God saying, who told you you was naked? Who told you I was done with you, Adam? Who told you I couldn't use you? Who told you that I couldn't turn it around for you? Oh, are you listening to me tonight? The enemy looks for any opportunity to bring shame, discouragement, until you isolate yourself. But God says, I never told you that. I still got a call, but you got to rip off 
the assignment of the enemy so you can step into the assignment of God. Finally, tonight, take the toe tag off your condition. Take the toe tag off your calling. And take the toe tag off your song. Take the toe tag off your song. I remembered I wanted to tell y'all something about point two. Just real quick before we get to point three. I was in Brazil in January. And I preached at a church that's a part of a movement called Verbo da Vida. Word of life. And then later I was back in Orlando and realized there was a branch of that fellowship of Portuguese-speaking Brazilian churches in Orlando. So I went to a Verba de Vida church in Orlando. And one of the associates had me over for barbecue with him and his family at the house. And he said, do you know about our founder, Brother Bud? And he starts telling me about Brother Bud and Sister Jan. And I said, well, I, I never heard of this movie. I don't know. He said, there's hundreds of Verba de Vida churches. He says, but Brother Bud is from northern Alabama and is the worst he said he's been in, he was in he was in Brazil for 30 something years. He said he sounded like he only got there 2 weeks ago. He never did learn how to speak Portuguese well. Had the worst Alabama accent when he spoke Portuguese you've ever heard. I said, "How did he raise up hundreds of churches?" He said, "Well, he started when he was a truck driver in northern Alabama and he got saved. And when he got saved, his wife didn't want to serve the Lord and she left him. And he went to a local church and started serving. Now you tell me, friend, your pastor in a church, a truck driver that's just been divorced, walks through those doors and says, I want to do something for God. What are you going to tell him? Well, just, just come to church. Come to the altar. Pay your tithe. We'll put you in discipleship group. After a while, you might be saved enough to usher. You might be saved enough to, to play an instrument, sing a song. I don't know. We'll, just, we'll, we'll figure out a place. You come to the men's prayer breakfast. We'll have more breakfast than prayer. You just come sometime. Amen. We'll be, we'll, we'll be glad to have you there. You would never look at that person and say, you're going to raise up hundreds of churches in Brazil that will actually raise up a missionary movement where that movement now has churches all over the world. I'm telling you, that, that story of that man so inspired me to think the people that we have discounted and said, there's no way. He got remarried. He started preaching out at different churches. One church said, we want you to be our pastor. He stayed and pastored there. Then he went to Rhema Bible Institute in what, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right outside of Tulsa. And then after being there, the Lord said, go to Brazil. He served another ministry for six months in Brazil. And then he went down the road and planted a church and then planted a Bible college, and then went to the northern part of Brazil and planted a church and a Bible college, and then went to another city and a church and a Bible college, until thousands have graduated from their Bible schools, and God has raised up a ministry from a divorced truck driver. That just don't bless you the way it blesses me. You know the devil tried to put a tag on him and say, just sit there. Just clap your hands and raise your hands and sing along. Just be happy that you're a part of a good church. And God said, if you'll allow me to take that tag off, I can use you to touch the nation. Oh, I don't know who's listening to me tonight, but I hear the Lord say, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. I can yet do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that's in work within you. I'll be quick right here. Take the toe tag off your song. I could tell you several things about that, but I preached both Sunday morning and Sunday night on worship. So I'll, I'll just give you this right here. The last time I went to go visit my great-granddaddy, my mom's mom's dad, great-granddaddy Lanier, Clyde Lanier received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Frostproof Church of God 
in the early 1900s. Frostproof is one of the first places that Pentecost came in the state of Florida. They had a church that was just one room. The restrooms are a different building. There's no foyer. You're in the building or you're not in the building. That's the way it was. No air conditioning, just old school. Granny said the men would come an hour early and kneel down at the running boards of their cars and at the foot of pine trees and orange, orange grove trees out around the church. And she said the women would come inside an hour early and pray. And she said as a little girl, many a times I could hear those men praying out in the trees. She said many a time we never even got to start the first song because by the time the men out there came in and joined the women and it was time for church, God was already moving so much. We just went and had a move of God right there. All the things that she grew up knowing in the presence of God. But there came a time when great granddaddy was now 92 years old. Great granny had already passed away, was in heaven. And while we were visiting great granddaddy, his sight was mostly gone. His hearing was mostly gone. We had to get right up to his ear and almost yell for him to understand who we were and how we were related to him. We tried to communicate a little bit. Not only was his sight gone, his hearing gone, his nerve endings were damaged. And he, he felt like ants were biting him all the time. So the whole house smelled like ant spray. He just, pain throughout all of his body. And so we sat on the other side of the living room for the rest of that day. I was probably only seven or eight years old. Talking to Aunt Josephine, my granny's sister. <laughs> oh, but as we left, and we're headed back to granny's house, a couple hours away, I said, Granny... What tribe was great-granddaddy from? She said, your great-granddaddy wasn't Native American. She said, that was my mama. She was raised on the reservation. I said, then what language was great-granddaddy singing in the rest of the time we were there? She said, baby, he was singing in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Seven or eight years old. Oh, what a testimony to that little boy that was in that living room that said great-granddaddy can't see, he can't hear, he misses his wife, his body's racked with pain, but there's still a song in his soul. There's still a Holy Ghost song in his soul. Oh, he wouldn't have won any talent contest. He wouldn't have been invited to sing at any church, but the Holy Ghost had a song for him. Amen. The enemy would come to you and say, oh, you can sing along with them, but you... You'll never know the real joy. You'll never know a real communion and fellowship with intimacy with Jesus. You won't know what it's like to have a bubbling song of the Spirit in your life. That devil's a liar. If my great-granddaddy at 92 can still sing in the Holy Ghost, friend, God still has a song for you. But Brother Robert, I'm a widow. God still has a song for you. Oh, but I just filed bankruptcy. God still has a song for you. Hallelujah. Take the toe tag off. When my granddaddy passed away, we were in that hospice facility, and Granny, Granny said, why don't you sing for him? She calls me R.W. Why don't you sing for him? I said, Granny, why don't you sing with me? She used to lead songs at their church. She said, oh, it's been years since I sang. I said, warm up the pipes, Granny. Hallelujah. Come on, sing with me. Amen. Somebody needs to warm up the pipes tonight. Not wait for Pastor Sean to strum and stir something up for you to say the devil's a liar. God, if I'm still breathing, you still have a song for me. Stand with me to your feet all over the house if you would, please. The enemy's word is not the final word. The prognosis of the doctor is not the final report. Your fear is lying to you. I told mostly stories tonight because stories is the way that God reveals Himself in the Word. 
He doesn't open the Bible with, with a list of doctrines. He tells us about Adam, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac. He even identifies himself before he gives us his name and says, I'm the God of people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not perfect people, but people that I get involved in their lives and I turn things around. When you hear about what God has done for people, all of a sudden you start saying, if you pulled miners out of a pit, if you brought Aaron Ralston out of a desert, if you restored people's marriage and their calling after failure and heartbreak, God, maybe you can do it for me. Maybe you can do it for me. I need somebody to testify right here just by an uplifted hand. We're going to have a wave offering right here. Is there anybody in this place that's ever been born again? Anybody that's a child of God? Come on, don't, don't put it up like this. Whether you got deodorant on or not. Are you right with God? If the rapture took place right now, are you saved? Get it up there. Come on, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Now, I'm going to be facetious in what I'm about to say, and I need you to get mad at it because this is the way the devil talks. I wish God still knew how to save people. Y'all ain't responding too good. I wish God still knew how to save people. Oh, he does? Oh, hallelujah. I'll share the offering with you for helping like that. Amen. I wish God still knew how to save people the way he saved me and you. Seemed like he's just not in the saving business no more. Oh, come on. How many know the devil talks like that? But if the blood of Jesus was enough to wash your sin away, amen, that even in God's old age, even in the darkness of these last days, he is still mighty to save. If he's not done saving, that means there could be somebody that walked in this house tonight. And while the enemy says there's a toe tag on salvation, it's over. It's shut down. The devil's a liar. Amen. The blood is still strong. And you might have believed that toe tag if you're here. You might have believed that lie if you're here and you say, I'm too far gone. I, I can't get right with God. The devil's a liar. Tonight is your night. Amen. You can be born again tonight. Anybody in here ever been delivered from something? Depression, darkness, addiction, the past. Uh, amen. Anybody ever been? Come on, wave at me. Anybody ever been set free of anything in your life? I wish God still knew how to do that. Come on, get mad at the devil. I wish God was still in the, in the delivering business. Oh, you mean he still knows how to set people free? He still knows how to break chains? He still knows how to loose people from captivity? Oh, hallelujah. I've got good news on Monday night. He's not done. No matter how loud the devil screams and says, you're going to die in the belly of that thing. Oh, no, friend. We still have a delivering Christ. He still knows how to rip you out of the mouth of the lion. You may come out with some scars. You may come out with some bite marks. Oh, but friend, if you're here, right in the clutches of some bondage and addiction, go ahead and wiggle an ear in the direction of our shepherd. He can pull and reach you out. Anybody in here ever been filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh, I can't even pretend about this one because God did, went ahead and did it again last night. He's still in the saving business. He's still in the healing and delivering business. Oh, let me stop and take that census. Anybody ever been healed in your body? Anybody ever been? I'm not talking about six months of therapy. Anybody ever had the hand of God set them free in their body? Come on, wave at me. Wave at me. Woo, we could be here all night testifying about that. If he did it for you, that means he can do it for somebody else that's here right now. So let me ask you, what happened in your life that you accepted as your normal? What happened in your life that you accepted as your normal? Let me tell you what I've accepted and I'm about sick and tired of. I'm about sick and tired of pastors saying, 
Brother Robert, we had such a good service while you was here. We had good services this week. It was a good service last night. I don't mean it to offend them. They don't know. But God didn't call me for good services. I did not. I don't live out of a suitcase and airports and hotels for good services. I'm not traveling this world for good services. I'm believing for revival. And how many know the devil tried to put a toe tag on revival and say, no, you can't have that kind of sweeping move of God. The devil's a liar. I said the devil's a liar. I got a friend that pastors, brother Jamie Horn, pastors in, in Kentucky. Amen. In March of this year, they had a breakout revival. I'm talking a sovereign move of God. Had 400 people saved in one month. Don't tell me. Oh, you come too late to tell me. Amen. That it's gone. He still is in the business of pouring out his spirit. What have you accepted as normal? What have you accepted as normal? If you've got pain in your body tonight, I don't care if you've been to the altar for prayer dozens of times. Go ahead and make up your mind tonight. I'm taking off that toe tag and I'm believing God for my miracle. If you're here and you've given up on your calling, but you're ready to say, God, if you can still use me, anoint me like I used to dream that you might anoint me. Hallelujah. I'm going to open this altar. Whatever you moved into, whatever lie the enemy said, this is permanent. I want you to shake it off, rip it off, and take some steps of faith into this altar. Lift both hands and say, no, God, I'm believing it's not over. I'm believing the best is yet to come. Come on, if that's you, step out of where you are. Come and stand. Fill this altar. Come lift both hands. Hallelujah. God, I'm lifting my hands to rip off the toe tag of the lies of hell. You're not done reviving your church. You're not done pouring out your spirit. Lord, we believe you for healing. We believe you for salvations. We believe you for spirit baptisms. We believe you for deliverance. We believe you for revival. Oh, do it again, God. Do it again, God. We've got overcomers in this altar. We've got people that are doing more than surviving. They've got aggressive faith. Come on. Get a hold of some aggressive faith tonight. Be aggressive right here. Lord, you're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet. You're not done healing. You're not done calling. 